Literary Scape presents the historical, inspirational book club podcast, the first of its kind. This show is for those who love clean romance adventure stories from the 1800s. In this episode, Tiffany and Melissa will be discussing At Love's Command, the first book in Karen Whitmire's Hanger's Horseman series. Haunted by the horrors of war, ex-cavalry officer Matthew Hanger leads a band of mercenaries known as Hanger's Horsemen who have become legends in 1890s Texas. They defend the innocent and obtain justice for the oppressed, but when a rustler's bullet leaves one of them at death's door, they're the ones in need of saving. Dr. Josephine Burkett is used to men taking one look at her skirts and discounting her medical skills. What she's not used to is having a man change his mind in a heartbeat and offer to assist her in surgery. Matthew's dedication to his friend during recovery earns Josephine's respect, and when her brother is abducted, he becomes her only hope for rescue. When plans go awry and Josephine is caught in the crossfire, Matthew may have to sacrifice everything even his team to save her. All right, so I'm just going to start out with saying I fell in love with Matthew Hanger. <laughs> so what were your thoughts agree. on him? <laughs> you agree? I agree. <laughs> At first he was like this is quiet, strong type, very dedicated to his his fellow comrades. Mhm. But you really see him come to light with Josephine or Dr. Joe. Yeah, or Josie. <laughs> or I like Josie. how he calls her Josie. Yeah. Kind of that silent yet strong type. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was, and he was a really good leader. I, I liked that quality in him. And you're right. I think you nailed it. He's that quiet but strong type that mm-hmm. is very attractive. <laughs> <laughs> he falls in love with Dr. Josephine Burkett, and he calls her Josie. So I'm going to probably just continue to call her Josie from this point on. <laughs> but what were your thoughts on her? At first, she was kind of comical at first, how mm-hmm. she was we talking about her cooking and things oh, like yeah. that. Her lack of cooking really, skills. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she she was very wise. And I think it takes a strong-willed woman to go out into, you know, the frontier by herself yeah. and open up her own practice and earn her respect of the town, basically, on her medical skills. But it sounded like she had not had much time there but she was starting to build up rapport with the the townspeople when the hangers came and he came kind of boosted her res- reputation i guess yeah because people did come to her mm-hmm. um for help and like minor things it seems like more so uh-huh. until she pulled a i think that they said they she pulled a bullet out of some other guy and so that brought right. in more men to her and the rancher that they were working for to get those rustlers is the one that said to go, go to Dr. Joe. Of course, mm-hmm. at that point, he thought he was going to a man. Right. <laughs> so it was pretty funny. And I love how he was like, with, you know, like their first interaction. And she's like getting ready to start working on Mark. And he grabs her wrist to stop her. And is like, I think a trained professional needs to be doing this. And that's mm-hmm. when she goes, oh, I'm the doctor. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. But I did appreciate the way he immediately turned around and was, he didn't go, there's no way because you're a woman. You know, right. he right. turned Had it around respect. and showed her a lot of respect. I thought she was sweet. 
super sweet. The mm-hmm. way she interacted with her good friend that worked at the Mercantile, her husband owned it and mm-hmm. ran it. And the way she interacted with their son and how she was with her brother in the other hangers horsemen but i also could see her i thought she came across as pretty fierce at moments Mm -hmm. as far as you know matthew's got this need to really be protective of his men and i felt like she also took on a protective role when it came to her brother and her patients and her patients technically her patients yes there was that battle Mm -hmm. that brought them together yeah I would also consider her a wonderful sister when you think about what she did for her brother. Yeah. She kind of, she went through the ringer for him. And I mean, in the end, he was appreciative and everything, which we'll get to that. But it's a sister you would like to have, right? Right, (laughs) right. The characters in this story had quite the adventure, which we will dig into in a little bit. But what were your thoughts on the villains, Charlie and Taggart? I think Charlie didn't mean to be as much of a villain as what he turned out to be. I would agree. Tiger just seemed like cold-hearted, you know. Oh yeah, definitely. Charlie but was Charlie more just got mixed in with the wrong crowd. Yeah, <laughs> and he was trying to be his own man, but he went like you said with the wrong crowd. He's he's very frustrating. I did enjoy, though, the changes that he went through from the beginning to the end of the story. And I especially like how his relationship with Josie and his dad are restored at the end. He's really a picture of like the prodigal son, you know. I would agree. Tagger, I would agree with what you said. Tagger is cold and heartless. When he was taunting Matthew and threatening Josie and was like, how about I just carve her face up so every time you look at her, you can think of me. I was like, I had like the chills when I read that. I was like, oh my gosh. And of course I'm like, Matthew, you have to save her. (laughs) And I felt so bad for Matthew at that point, which we'll dig into that scene a little bit later. But I was really worried when he took her, when Taggart took Josie to be a prisoner, basically at his outlaw camp. Yes, that is the one scene that I think out of all the books that we've read mm-hmm. that I was like, there's not going to be a happy ending for some reason. Yeah. You know, because it just sounded so desolate. They were so like out of luck. They were tight. I'm just sorry. I'm giving you away too much. You can say it because we're going to dig into that. So you can. <laughs> just like, oh my gosh. So what happened? Like, is this, mm-hmm. I was trying to figure out how, where this story was going to go because I really saw until you read the book but yeah i really saw i didn't know how they were going to get out of it and i feel I like agree. in all the other books we read there's been some hints that you could see but i like here's a, a path they could day, take other to, than they were the horsemen you know that was the only thing i had like lingering for hope for yeah for him this for him himself and what happened and then him rescuing josie i was just like i don't know if this uh, i know because they had a hole to dig out of two and she was already gone like right the guy had already taken her and i mean i know her brother was with her but her brother had no control over the situation yeah he lost that spun way out of control for him I don't know and I thought how he was going to be a goner too, honestly. I did. I <laughs> figured like there's the only way Josie's going to get away is if her brother sacrifices himself yeah, for her. I was thinking too. So I'm like, there's not going to be a happy love story. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I love all of the members of Hanger's Horsemen. 
I feel like they complement each other really well. So who was your favorite? We had Matthew and Preach, whose real name is actually Luke, and then Mark and Jonah. So who was your favorite and why? That's hard. I know. Because I liked as aspects this, of each of them. Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they you said that very well, that they complement each other because it is hard just to pick one as your favorite because you pick one and he's not I mean he's probably awesome by himself but really (laughs) need all four of them to show the whole picture of each of their characters I can't pick a favorite okay so what part like what is it that you like about Matthew then I the leading aspect and how he's strong I like preach because he just always has that encouraging word Mark seems to almost be the funny guy kind of like the comedic relief Mm -hmm. yeah I would agree (laughs) yeah he's somebody you can count on and then Jonah was like the sharpshooter he's right he was the Mm -hmm. sharpshooter one Mm -hmm. and he was always somebody you want behind your back on your side yes that you could lean on and trust yeah yeah I would say during this story I really loved Matthew and it was because of the way, like you talked about, the way he led his men and he fiercely loved Josie. By the end of the series, though, my favorite changes, which I'll share at the end when we can, when we do our wrap up. But I would agree there's aspects of each of them that I really enjoyed. Like if you wrapped up my favorite aspect of each of these men, it's like there's the perfect man. <laughs> right. I think that's where I was going. <laughs> yeah, because I, I'm like you preaches. Always got the the verse. He's got that encouraging word. And I also think Preach was really loyal. I agree. Yeah. He was extremely loyal. And Mark is that comedic relief, like you said. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed (laughs) his little lines. Like, Matthew is immediately attracted to Josie. And she's taking care of Mark, you know, Mm -hmm. because she's the one that, or he's the one that she dug the bullet out of, right? So she's fussing over him. But then Mark makes a comment and she kind of like turns down his charm. And Matthew's like, what? And when she leaves the room, Mark's smiling. He goes, at least now we know she likes you. <laughs> right? And then Jonah, I just love he's just this quiet strength. Mm-hmm. Like you said, someone you always want at your back because, yeah, he just he has his he's very quiet, but he has his own like a sixth sense to him I yeah. feel like he mm-hmm. can read between the lines and yep. that's somebody you want on your side to help you navigate yes yeah that's a good good term yeah. to help you navigate <laughs> if you were in Josie's position would you have hired Hanger's horseman to save your brother I feel like that's kind of a loaded question because I feel like <laughs> they <laughs> just <laughs> I feel like if it were me in all the aspects of Josie's life. Mm-hmm. Like she had just had all that interaction with Matthew, then yes, probably. But really she didn't hire hire them because they didn't get paid. She had to offer her services. Her doctoring her services. services for them. Which she pays which out I later. Have, I just have nerds, but you know. <laughs> yeah. It's, which she pays out through this book and the next, next book and the next, final yeah. book. Yeah. But I think more so she wanted, I mean, she wanted her to save her brother. Yes. But Mm -hmm. she wouldn't have been able to convince them to do that. I think if it would have been anybody else. I would agree. And it's because of that attraction between her and Matthew. I think, yes, I would do it because like you said, they're like her only hope 
at this point for her brother because her dad says, I'm not not doing it. I'm not to pay in a ransom for my son who chose to put himself in that position, which I totally got where her dad was coming from. And honestly, her dad was right, except for the fact that Taggart is so heartless. He would have killed her brother in the end because he couldn't produce the money for him. I believe. I believe that too. I just, I don't have any brothers, so I had to like switch and think about my sisters. And so I thought I couldn't (laughs) let them suffer. Like them being in the hands of someone like that would drive, like I wouldn't be able to sleep till I knew that they were safe. So I definitely would have hired them to help. The Hangers Horsemen remind me of like the A-Team, which is so funny (laughs) because I was telling Derek about it. I was reading it and he goes, so basically it's like the A-Team of the 1800s. Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> You're right. You want them on your side. Yeah. What were you feeling when Josie was betrayed by her brother, Charlie, and Matt and his men were stranded, unable to help her? We kind of talked about that a little bit earlier, yes. but now we can really expound <laughs> on it, right? So as the whole thing unraveled, it just kind of I felt like it got worse and worse and worse. I'm like, at first, they're going to get them. They're mm-hmm. going to there's four against however many whole posse of them. Yeah. And she's back safe. And then he starts, you know, with Charlie's betrayal. And then they took their boots and, I know. I and their, horses. their horses, everything left them absolutely stranded. And then uh, the final like scene of that section was basically you thought Matthew was dead. Yeah. As Josie rode away with them mm-hmm. so without giving away, I'm giving away so much. It's OK. <laughs> it's, a, it's all right. I like being able to, to talk some about it because... Yes. There's so many neat things. You just hopefully our listeners are right. reading the book so As they, they don't. Go along. I just yeah, that was But you're not I, giving too much away. No, no, but I felt absolutely just hopeless for them and mm-hmm. sad for Josie that she wasn't going to get her happy ending. <laughs> I know, and those parting words between Matthew and Josie Mm-hmm. where he looked at her and said, I will find you. And she was so confident. And she just said, I know. Yeah. Even though, but then of course, Taggart, dirty Taggart. He's just not <laughs> he's a, a good man. Dog. I really <laughs> wanted to punch Charlie while I was reading that. I mean, he's dragging his sister. She's kicking, struggling against him all the way. Right. And he's like, it's okay, Josie. It's, it's all part of the plan. It'll be fine. And she's literally telling him, no, it's not going to be okay. Do you really think you're going to have control once you hand me over? I thought, you're such an idiot, Charlie. (laughs) (laughs) But I was really heartbroken for Matthew and his men. One, because I know surrendering is not in their blood. Right. They never surrender. And they had to. It's like the first time that that group had to do that. And two, because you could feel the way Karen wrote it, you could feel Matthew's desperation to save the one woman that he loves and he can't i think that's what i was feeling just like oh yeah the desperation of of the whole situation (laughs) and how much that hurts i I know we i think we talked about that in marrying mr wrong Mm. by melissa jaggers because remember in the last book yeah in the last book of that series he was also bound up and could not protect the woman he had been in love with for a long time. So I just saw some similar themes there. What were some of your favorite scenes in this story? I have several. (laughs) (laughs) I just, well, I don't want to give away too much, but just after that scene, the things that just kind of fall into place and you get that 
theme of making of trusting God and he will, shall mm-hmm. provide and I, when the carriage goes by with the shoes that oh, really was a strong yeah the wagon full of shoes that was just a really strong reminder mm-hmm. that he will provide <laughs> he does and in ways you never expect, ever expect right yeah so I, that was just one of my fa- that I don't know why, but that was one of my favorite scenes. Yeah. And that, um, of course, any of them that they were together were too. Yeah, I, I have eight that I listed. <laughs> okay, so are we'll you let ready? You get going. Yep. Bro. You might say like, "Oh yeah." Yes. <laughs> so one, which I was surprised you didn't say this one, but maybe it just slipped your mind. The train when they're on the train traveling to go tour to save her brother and they she helps that little boy that had the seizure oh yeah and then they literally create a barrier around her to protect her to protect her and they claim her as one of their own at that point Mm -hmm. and i just really love that but then i also liked when she slept with her head on on matthew's shoulder as they were i just (laughs) seemed so sweet sweet. i liked when she uh stitches matthew up in the bathhouse (laughs) oh yeah yes after they got charlie out the first time yes and he had to be stitched up and he was in like panic mode because it was on his upper thigh. Okay. <laughs> that whole scene was really funny to me. And the way he hurried up and got out of the bath yeah. and got halfway decent for her to do that because he was worried that she would just like, because of the, her personality that she would just say, I'm not waiting any longer. I'm coming in and right. doctoring you. I like when Josie also, this is actually backtracking, but at the beginning where all the horsemen are finally at her doctor's office and they're in there helping Mark kind of get up, get around Mm -hmm. so that they can get moving. And they brought a change of clothes for them. And Matthew had just taken his shirt off and she's walking into her right in there to put the sling on Mark's arm. And he's like, whoop, holding his shirt. I mean, like, you can just picture it. The way she wrote it is hilarious. Yes. And then I love how the guys tease him, like, oh, great way to get the woman to see with your shirt (laughs) off, you know? Yes. You're right. That one was a good scene. It was was entertaining. How about when Preach interrupts their almost kiss before they take on the job of rescuing Charlie? Matthew takes her for, like, that little stroll, and he literally has her in his arms. And here comes Preach. Yelling, Captain! <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> I have so many tips. Okay, I've, only, I've got like four more here. <laughs> when Matthew meets Josie's dad. Oh, yes, you're right. You are picking the best twists of the whole book. <laughs> I just, these are just ones like after I've read it, these are the ones that stuck in my head, you know? Mm-hmm. But I loved when he met and he was like calling her Josie. <laughs> and his her dad's like, excuse me, that's Doctor Burkett to you. You're right. like, you cannot be informal with my daughter. And, <laughs> but I love how he was just like, enough. We have to go save her. And right. he promises that Taggart will pay because he took the woman he loves. Yes. And I was like, yes, this is, this is get like him. getting really good, right? <laughs> and then my ultimate. Oh, no, I'll say I saved my ultimate scene for the last. Okay, so, you know, they're going in for their rescue mission. They finally found the outlaw camp. Uh Uh-huh. And Charlie starts fighting. He sees that the horsemen are out there and he whispers it to Josie. And then he starts fighting with that, like, I call him the warden guy. And Josie starts running. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know, but she's running straight to Matthew and he's sitting there with 
his shotgun aimed at the guy because there's an outlaw. That guy starts chasing her and he's like, run to me, Josie, run to me. You know, she can't hear him or see him. But I was like, oh, my gosh, I love that scene. (laughs) And then when Preach doesn't let this is where Preach's loyalty, I think, shows when he doesn't let Josie out of his sight after she gets away. Mm hmm from the camp and she's like I gotta go help you know and he will not because he said we have to complete our mission you are the mission therefore you will stay with me and I was like (laughs) oh you know they really came in and really took her in okay my final scene are you ready this is my favorite one (laughs) when Charlie helps Josie mount up really fast Mm -hmm. because she sees Matthew coming back from fighting Taggart Oh, by yes. himself. Oh. And you remember she was like, Charlie. And he's like, yep. Gives her a leg up. Preach is so mad. He's like chasing after her because his job was to protect her. Right. Mm-hmm. She's running towards Matthew. And then Matthew sees her and they it's like this beautiful scene where they're running <laughs> towards each other. And then they finally, finally are in each other's arms. And here's Preach obviously following because he was like trying to protect her. And Matthew's like kissing Josie and then waving preach on like, don't interrupt this kiss this time. (laughs) In a way. I loved it. I thought that was sweet. Did you like any of those? (laughs) I loved all of them. You did a great job. I'm a sucker for those romance scenes, I think. (laughs) All right. Did you enjoy Matthew and Josie's love story? I did very much so. Mm -hmm. Very much so. Was there any part of it that you really, really enjoyed? I like the whole... The whole, the whole thing yeah. overall. I thought it was sweet and romantic. And I again, but if you know me, I like that she was rescued by her love. Right. <laughs> it was adventure. Like, too. Yeah. There was a lot of adventure. There was action in there. I yeah. mean, I read these, the first two of this series, I read them over a, um, like a Saturday and Sunday. Oh, like, wow. You went through them pretty yeah, fast. I, yeah, they went really fast for me. That's awesome. Like, and, you know, my kids are like, Mom, Mom. And I'm like, hang on, hang Hey, on. I'm in the middle of reading, kids. You're going to I'm in a whole different world right now. You be... <laughs> Uh, you guys knew this when I started, but sometimes I can stop. And yeah. But these books, I, I really needed to stay in the story until I finished it. Because I'm like, it's another good part. They like, kept going. Mm-hmm. I feel like there wasn't a dull moment. Right. And, was, and if you didn't stay in the story, you, like, you needed to stay in the story. At least I and had Even to if st- you had to jump out, you're like, the whole time you're out, you're thinking, I got yeah, to get back to that story. Yeah, I got to get back to that book. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I should ask, I think I already know, but what is your lasso rating for At Love's Command by Karen Whitmire? You know, you do a really good job picking out all these books. Oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so, I mean, it's three lassos again for me. <laughs> we tend to give three lassos to most of the books that I we do. read. I do. I feel like I do. I agree because I gave this one three lassos as well because I was hooked and hogtied through the whole. Yeah. Like you said, even when you got out of it, you're in your mind, you're thinking, I got to get back to that story. But she did. Uh, Karen did a great job creating characters that drew you in, garnered your respect, I think, mm-hmm. the way the men were and inspired you. But then again, you know me. I have I love all the components. It had the romance, the action, and the hero rescuing the damsel in distress, which is if you put that and in any cowboy, story, I'm, I'm right. Hey, you got you got to have the cowboy too. That's true. Although I will say we've read. Have we read any? No, all of ours have had cowboys, haven't yeah. they? I've read some books that aren't 
cowboy related that have those elements that I also enjoyed. But I will agree. I do love my cowboys. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to our discussion of At Love's Command by Karen Wittemeyer. Stay tuned for part two, where I take you through the biblical truths woven into this adventurous romance novel right after this brief message from our sponsor. Are you a reader who enjoys supporting authors you love and connecting with readers like you? Literary Escape has the perfect book club for you. Join our Bookies Book Club for just $2.99 a month or $29.99 for a year and enjoy reading and connecting with authors and readers of historical Christian romance. With giveaways and personal connections that last a lifetime, you won't regret becoming a bookie. For more information and to join today, visit LiteraryScape.com. Welcome everyone to part two of our discussion of At Love's Command. This is something new that we're adding to this show. And really, it's just me taking a deep dive with you into the scriptures and the lessons uh, that are within the book. And so I, I hope you enjoy this. I wanted to point out, so if you've read the book, you've probably caught this already. But at the very beginning, Psalm 9, 9 through 10 is written on one of the title pages. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, has not forsaken them that seek thee. This verse, I feel like is played throughout the uh, story. You'll find that that is one of the focus points. But one of the things I love, and I know we've talked about this before, is preach. Luke Davenport, who the guys call preach, he always has a verse that's always appropriate for the situation that they find themselves in. So one of the first verses, actually, it is the very first verse that Preach gives Matt when they're getting ready to mount up. Matt turns to him and asks, got a verse for me, Preach? Preach chooses Psalm 1839. For thou hast girded me with strength unto the battle. Thou hast subdued under me those that rose up against me. Matt let the word sink in. He'd heard Luke quote that one before. It was good for putting a military man in a confident frame of mind before charging an enemy, but less than reassuring when one hoped for peaceful compliance. It lent an ominous tension to the knot already twisting in Matt's gut, which when you read the book, you realize why he's got that tension going. But I love these verses that Preach pulls out and shares with these men before they head into battle, because there's such a reminder of we're not battling alone. We have we have God battling on our side and he doesn't lose. And so we can always take heart in knowing that we are already standing on the side of victory if we're standing with God. One of the things that I also saw pop out a theme that I saw pop out quite a bit through this story, through different situations, is that God knows what we need before we even ask, which is so awesome. He just wants us to come to him and ask. That's all he's asking. I'm going to read just a short scene here on page 23. So this is, again, right here at the beginning where Wallace gets shot and Matt and Wallace are kind of trapped trying to hold off these wrestlers. Get down, he yelled as he shoved Matt out of the way and fired. A second shot echoed nearly simultaneously. Mark grunted and fell backwards. Wallace, 
Matt scrambled to a better position. He had to protect his man. Rustlers encroached from both sides. Matt dragged Wallace against the shed wall and crouched down in front of him. He fired at a movement on his right, then swiveled and fired to his left. Only two shots left. God, I could use some help here. Like a trumpet blast from heaven, a rifle reported from behind the shed. Two shots, one echoed from the left, the other from the right. Throw down your weapons, a deep voice boomed. We've got you surrounded. Jonah. Thank God, Jonah had been an answer to Matt's prayers more than once during their time together, but never had there been more on the line than today. They had a man down, the youngest of the crew. Again, obviously, Matt just breathed out that prayer of, I need help, and God already knew he was going to need it, and he already had Jonah and the others riding to their rescue. These books are just so full of examples of God and how awesome he is and how applicable these things are in our own lives. I think sometimes we forget when we read the Bible, it, those are real those were real people that really went through those things and we have to remember that and we are struggling with the same things they did just different circumstances and I just love how this pulled out in this book. So I'm going to keep going here, so page 54 the second to last paragraph. I knew it. Lizzie thrust her spoon into the air in victory before retreating back to the stove. She might adore amassing information for the purpose of redistribution, but she always confirmed her facts before sharing. Unfounded gossip had no place on Elizabeth Carrington's grapevine. In truth, she was more of a journalist than a rumor mill. It was why everyone came to the mercantile for the scoop on local happenings. They knew her information could be trusted. So when I read this, when you first read about Elizabeth or Lizzie, you think, oh my goodness, she's a gossip. And I just love this paragraph here because I always wonder, do we go to the source to check the truth before we share it with others? So she truly didn't gossip. She truly went and asked the questions and found out before she spread misinformation. And I think most women struggle with the gossip piece because it's easy to be like, oh, I'm just I'm just letting you know so you can pray for them or but it ends up going down the wrong path pretty quickly. I liked that Karen put Lizzie's character in there like that, like she cares. She's honest. She's truthful. She's not a gossip. But if you need to know what's happening and truly know what's happening, you can go talk to Lizzie a little bit of a challenge for myself to make sure that I'm doing that as well, going back to the source and making sure it's the truth before I ever share it. Now, I'm going to jump us ahead a little bit to page 138 to 139. I'm starting at the bottom of 138. But torture isn't healthy, Josie said, cutting off his spiraling thoughts. It tears apart the soul. She smiled at him, a knowing smile that made him suspect she knew exactly where his brain had traveled. One of my medical professors liked to say, you won't find success with patients in the present if you dwell on the failures of your past. I think he was right. So when a loss comes, I examine what went wrong, learn what I can to inform future decisions, then leave it behind. I have to if I want to serve my patients to the best of my ability. But this one thing I do, Matt murmured softly, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Her smile stretched wide. Exactly. I love that verse from Philippians. It's seen me through many a late night mental battle. 
I love this reminder in here because we all have failures. You know, Matt is struggling with his failures while serving in the Calvary when it comes to that initial scene, trying to get the women and children out. But the army had had other plans to just wipe everyone out. And it was really hard for him to deal with that and accept those. He really saw it as a failure on himself. I just like to always think, okay, but for me personally, I have failures too in the past. And I'm going to tell you, the devil's really good about bringing those back and really just pointing out how many times we failed. He really wants us to feel as a failure. But I loved this reminder that Karen wove into this book because we must focus on Christ and the bright future he has set before us. I mean, truly, once Christ becomes our savior, we are Our pastor once said, it's a really neat illustration. We then in God's eyes are covered by Jesus's blood and all he sees is white, clean, brand new. He doesn't see any of our sin or our past failures. So whenever the devil's coming at you hard, and I know this happens uh, quite often, just pointing out your failures, you just need to say, get behind me, Satan, right? Because my God loves me and I am pure in his sight because of Christ's sacrifice on the cross. And I, again, I love reading these books because there's, they bring back those little things. Sometimes we just forget and they are really inspirational, truly inspirational. So let's keep digging in guys, because I am loving the things that Karen wove in here. I am skipping ahead to page 149. She had to believe that God would grant them victory over the villains holding Charlie. It was all she had to hold on to in a situation residing completely outside her control. So she clung to the belief with all her strength. Every time she had rolled over the last two nights, she had prayed for Charlie's safety. But not only his, she prayed for the horsemen too. For Matthew especially. He was doing this for her. He'd said as much, which meant if something happened to him, or to one of his men, it would be her fault. Think on what is lovely, Joe, not all this darkness. Think on what is virtuous and praiseworthy. Okay, I think we all remember that verse. Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. I just love how Karen had Josie battle her fear with God's words. And I really think I had never thought of this before, but that verse actually is a great one to pull out when you're battling fear because it takes your focus off of what is causing that fear and putting it back on things that are pure and lovely. It's putting it back on Christ. All right, guys, lots of nuggets in here. I'm loving it, loving it. All right, page 164, preaches verse again. So I I just love it. Here's Matthew looked over the back of his horse toward Mr. Davenport. Got a verse for us, preach. The big man swung up into the saddle, peered off into the distance for a moment, then turned back toward her and winked. Romans 8, 31. If God be for us, who can be against us? I love preach. Okay. And that is just a wonderful verse as they're getting ready to head into rescue Charlie, Josie's brother from this gang of outlaws. But I loved that reminder too, because I think 
how many times do we come across something and we're in the middle of a battle, a spiritual battle, an attack, and the devil can really bring us down and, and really make us feel defeated. And I just love this is like a battle cry first. I absolutely love it. If God be for us, who can be against us? Because he chose us. We're on his team and his team does not lose. So just remember that today if you're facing some troubles. On page 177, preaches a verse of Deuteronomy 21. So it says, Preach peered into the canyon below, then turned and straddled the rope hanging a few feet to the left of mats. He grabbed hold and turned his face toward heaven. When thou goest out to battle against thine enemies and seest horses and chariots and a people more than thou, be not afraid of them, for the Lord thy God is with thee. Deuteronomy 21. Just another verse that is a battle cry. Something to just claim when you are in the middle of a struggle. And sometimes I'll be honest, I'll claim that even when I'm not in the middle of a struggle. It's just wonderful to know that God is on your side. Therefore, nothing and no one can stand against you. I'm going to jump us ahead to page 224. Josie was going to be out of his reach and under the control of a man driven by greed and retribution. Helplessness clawed at his insides, but he refused to give in to it. He couldn't fight what was out of reach, couldn't control what was out of his hands. So he'd focus on what he could control, his mind. So this is after Taggart's men have taken Josie and Matt. They've come and they've taken their horses and tied Matt and the other guys up. And Taggart's about to run off with um, Josie. And uh, Matt is really struggling. But I really loved how he said he'd focus. He's in his head, you know, so he'd focus on what he could control his mind. So many times we've come across so many situations where we can't control all of the moving pieces or the or the whole situation is out of our hands. It's great to know that we can lean on God because he is in control. And sometimes I think our brain just gets going and going and and spirals down all these terrible uh, possible outcomes. And we have to be reminded to focus on what God has called us to do and know that he's taking care of the rest. All right, we're going to jump again to page 239. Okay, so this is where Matt is just really struggling because they're struggling to get back to Josie to to get to her, to help her. Yes, God was capable of protecting Josie, but there was no guarantee that he actually would. And it was that uncertainty that drove Matt step after grueling step. He supposed a more faithful man would make would take comfort in knowing that God's will would prevail and whatever happened would be for the best. But Matt believed there was an evil force with the will of its own at work in the world too. A force that inflicted pain for its own sadistic delight. A force that would steal a five-year-old boy's parents and sister from him and make him bear witness to the atrocities. He didn't believe their murder was God's will. A God who spoke commandments against murder wouldn't condone such an act. Yet this same God had done nothing to stop it. His uncle had offered what explanation he could trying to help a hurting boy who har harbored anger toward the Almighty. Sin had consequences, his uncle had said, and God had to allow those consequences to play out even when it meant innocent people got hurt. I liked this picture that Karen created of why God allows bad things to happen to good people. 
I mean, how many times in your life have you heard that? I don't understand why God would allow this. They were good people. I mean, I went through that myself with the loss, the sudden loss of one of my brother-in-laws to a heart attack. I mean, things happen for a reason and we have to accept that and we have to accept that God's will is being played out. And we have to also remember nothing and no one can stop his will. He will take any situation to make his will happen. And though we may not understand it, we have to trust that he has our best interests in mind. He knows far better what's good for us than we do. So I just loved that interpretation that Karen put in there for that. I wanted to point out, remember how I said something that just always seems to pop up is God knows what we need before we even ask. If you remember, so we're far enough along where Matt and the rest of the horsemen, their horses were taken, their boots were taken. And they are struggling to get back into town so that they can get help. And on page 243, I have to laugh. I'm not going to read through it, but they run into Mr. Whitaker, who is driving his wagon with his goods to sell in town. And it turns out that Mr. Whitaker is a boot maker and he has boots for the horsemen, even boots big enough for preach. And... It totally amazes me. So like God knew what was going to happen, that they would get tied up. They would lose their horses. They would have their boots taken away. And he already had Mr. Whitaker going out at a time and a day that he did not normally leave his house. He had normally waited at like the next day or something to do. It was his normal day to drive in. But God prompted him to get out on the road and he ran across them, gave them the boots and helped them out. I love how Karen wove that in there. All right. We're going to jump ahead to page 260 and talk about just, again, another provision. God knows what we need before we even ask. He's taking care of us. He's looking out for us. Here they run into the stable boy. They ran into the stable boy and he knew Josie's dad and he knew how to get them out to his ranch quickly and he helped him out. So again, God placed yes, another person in their path to help them rescue Josie. On page 265, we know that Josie and Charlie, they are struggling. She's really struggling with forgiving him because he really betrayed her. He's her brother and he basically sold her out so that he could get money and satisfy his own pride with his dad. But Josie witnesses to him on page 265. So I'm going to read that real quick. It's so sweet and so simple. He looked her in the eye. I'm sorry, sis. So sorry. I know. She held tight to his hand when he tried to pull away. You can't undo the past, but you can learn from it. She wouldn't sweep his mistakes under the rug any longer, but neither would she rub his nose in them. I believe in you, Charlie. I believe you can be the man God designed you to be, a man of honor and integrity. You've got a good heart, she said, tapping a fingertip against his chest. It's just a little rusty is all. Give it a good scrubbing, scrape away the corrosion, and infuse it with a purpose higher than itself. It will shine again. He stared at the charred remains of last night's fire, his throat working up and down. He said nothing, just fought the emotions brought to the surface by too little sleep and too many regrets. Josephine patted his chest, then let her hand fall away. She wouldn't press him for promises he wasn't ready to make. 
This was a battle he had to fight in his own way and in his own time. Show him the right path, Lord, and give him the courage to follow it. I love how she witnesses to her brother and encourages him and then leaves him in God's capable hands. I think so many times we think, well, if we witness to someone or we share Christ with someone, then they should automatically turn around, grab a hold of Christ and commit their lives to them right then and there. And let's face it, the majority of the time, that's not really how it goes. Witnessing to someone really is as simple as just what Josie did. She just had a heart-to-heart conversation with them, let them know she believed in him and in his ability to set things right with God, and then walk away and let God do the rest of the work because it's not really us that does the saving. It's God who does the saving, right? We just point people towards him. All right, guys, I only have a couple more. So hang with me here. I'm hoping you're enjoying this and getting quite a bit out of it. And I am going to skip ahead to page 312. And this is just hitting on another theme that we see throughout this book that Karen wrote. Can you give me that time? Matt asked. Burkett's eyes closed even as the muscles in his jaw ticked. He stood silent, his face slowly tipping toward the sky as his hands balled into fists. He was a fighter by nature, a man used to being in control, exactly like Matt. And exactly like Matt, he had to fight his instincts and surrender to the one who held the highest ground, the one who could see beyond the plans of men. So this is Josie's dad. He is desperate to find Josie just like Matt is. And so here he's come to this moment where Matt's like, I need you to give me a little more time. I think I can find her this way. Whereas her dad's like, I'm ready to barrel in there, get my daughter and get out. Right. So he has to take the step back and surrendering. He's surrendering his control to God, the one who could see beyond the plans of men the one who held the highest ground. I love those words that Karen used. It paints such an amazing picture and such a reminder that yes, God is on the highest ground. God sees beyond the plans of men. He knows all. Why do we struggle with trusting him and completely surrendering and saying, whatever you say, Lord, whatever you say. So I hope that gives you some inspiration to let go and surrender to him and his perfect will for you. So starting on page 317, all the way to page 323, there's this encounter with the preacher as they're trying to find the hidden camp of the outlaws that have Josie. Again, I want to end on this because I feel like Karen really wove this in God's continual provision. He put yet another person in their path that pointed them and helped them get to Josie fast. So how often has God done this for you? And I'm going to leave you with that thought. And I'm looking forward to taking a deep dive into the heart's charge next week. Thank you for listening to our discussion of At Love's Command by Karen Wittemeyer. Tune in next week as we dive into the mystery of the kitty snatchers in the heart's charge. Don't forget to like, subscribe, follow, and give us a five-star review as it helps us tremendously. Thank you for your support, and until next time, happy and blessed reading.